Thank you, guys. That was really that was really good. <clears throat> that um that last one is an old hymn that is filled with good theology. That is an amazing, amazing song. So we appreciate you doing that this morning. Um, if you're visiting with us for the first time, my name is Philip, and I'm the pastor here, and um, I'm glad that you're with us. Um, y'all enjoying the cool weather again, right? Um, I, I think that this might be the first time in a long time that I've actually seen spring happen. Um, usually we go from cold-ish to 80, right? Cold-ish to 80, and we're kind of having a kind of a spring time this year. I know, I know it snowed last night. I know that. Um, I didn't see it because unlike some people on Facebook, I was asleep. Um, but, but yeah, it didn't, it didn't last. But nonetheless, it's been a great spring, I think. In fact, I've been able to breathe and it's April, so that's, that's pretty nice. I think I took my first um, Claritin D uh, Wednesday. It's the first time I had to take it, so that's, that's a good year. That's a good year. So currently, we're in a series called What Is Your Job Now? And um, the last two sermons that we had, the one before Easter and the one on Easter, is actually a part of a three-part series originally. Um, it was called <laughs> Job Perspectives, is what it was called, and it was supposed to be a three-part deal. But as, as the year went on, things developed, and what is your job now kind of fit a little bit better. But I bring that up today, job, job Perspectives, because the book of Job is about suffering. It's about suffering. And I think that um, when we are suffering, what we need is a vision a vision uh, for what that's supposed to look like, a vision for what that's, that's going to look like beyond our time of suffering. We need a vision actually to give us strength and help us to make it through. Now, that vision, according to Job, according to the Bible, has to be more than God heal me. It has to be more than God just give me the strength to make it through this day. Those are all great things to pray. I'm not saying that you should never pray those. Those are great things. But, those, but there's a larger, a bigger vision, a better vision, if you will, I think that's a better way to put it, that you can grab a hold on that would actually help you each day that you're going through your suffering, each day that you're going through a trial. A vision does two things. Does this, some, it's something that we can do that we're capable of doing, and it's something we can work towards. Something we can do and something we can work towards. I want you to raise your hand if you can heal people. Right. I want you to raise your hand if you can heal yourself. You can't heal yourself. You can't. You can't do that. So a vision, a vision to help you get through suffering is something you can actually do, something you can tangibly hold on to, something that you can know the very next day you can accomplish that vision again and again and again. It's something you can work towards. So with that in mind, I want you to turn to Job. No, I don't. Yeah, Job chapter 23. Go ahead. Turn to Job chapter 23. I do want you to turn there. However, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but Google Maps on last Sunday for a four-day period of time actually let you play Where is Waldo? Did you know that? Yeah? And 
And you may not have opened Google Maps because you're not directionally, directionally challenged like I am, but I open up Google Maps because sometimes I don't know how to get home. So, so I opened Google Maps, and there's Where's Waldo. And so what happened is if you touched on Waldo, it would take you to a scene like this one, and you would have to look for Waldo, right? Now, if you don't know where he is, I know where he is because I have a special set of glasses at home. Recently, I went to the eye doctor, and I got these glasses. The glasses make blue and red jump out of a page. So when I'm in my car, I have like a red, a red um, thing that tells me how fast I'm going, which normally I ignore. And, and then I have some other buttons that are red, and then blue behind it. My dashboard with these glasses I have come, comes right up to my face. I mean, it's like 3D. I don't know how it works. I don't know why it works. It was absolutely an incorrect, um, what do you call it, uh, prescription on my glasses. Absolutely incorrect. So back in the last one, he's up in the right corner right up here, because that popped out on the page. And then it would take you to something else. It would take you to this after you found him. And you would actually be able to touch him, and then it would go to the next screen. So you look for Waldo, and you tried to find where Waldo was. And sometimes it was hard. This one was actually a hard one, because I didn't have my glasses on when I was doing it. So I still haven't really found Waldo in this picture, but I know he's there. I have looked for Waldo in this picture. In fact, I, I knew this was going to end, so I screenshot the image on my iPad, and, and, I, and I've, I'm still looking for him. In fact, it, I've been looking for him for a couple of days now, and I just can't find him anywhere on that particular picture. But today, because I'm going to cheat, I'm going to put on my special pair of glasses, and I'm going to find where Waldo is because it's the special pair of glasses that I have from my doctor that I spent a lot of money on. So nonetheless, there's, where's Wado? Now, as you look at Job chapter 23, Job is looking for someone, but it's not Wado. Okay? He's looking for someone that he can't seem to find. And in 23 verse 1, it says, Then Job answered and said, Today also my complaint is bitter, my hand is heavy on account of my groaning. All that I knew where I might find him, who? God. That I might come even to his seat. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. Now, Job is in a very, very low point in his life. He's lost his family, most of his servants, three are only, only three are left. He has these guys that are just beating him to a pulp, telling him he's sinned and all he needs to do is re repent. He doesn't have anybody encouraging him at this point in time. And he, instead of, instead of like getting really down, he is looking to see where God is because it seems like God has stopped moving. He is not there. He cannot see him. He is asking the question, where is God? Have you ever been in a situation where you were asking the question, where is God? You prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed. You look for him and you look for him and you look for him. The time that you were in was very, very difficult. It was very, very hard on you, and you just could not find God. I've had several of those moments in my life. 
um, up in, when I was a pastor in Kentucky. I'm not going to go into all those details. I looked for God during a very rough patch in that ministry. And so what I did was I tried to get a loan. I couldn't get a loan anywhere in my house. I had two little kids at the time and a wife. Not that they're, they're any problem, but you can't get a loan sometimes when you have, you know, little people running around, right? So what I did was I escaped to the garage in the dark because the kids were scared of the dark. And I got in my van at the time, and I just sat there, and I prayed, and I looked for God. I wondered where he was at, what he was doing, why he was bringing me through this particular point in my life. Where is God? Chapter 23, verse 8 through 9, he continues on this look. Look at verse 8. It says this. Behold, I go forward, but he's not there. Backward, but I do not perceive him. In other words, I'm trying to make it forward in this life, and I can't see God, and I'm trying to make it backward in this life, and I just can't see God. He's not in front of me. He's not behind me. And I'm crying. <laughs> she is just fine. And, and she, I'm crying. I'm trying to find him. I cannot find him in front of me. I cannot find him behind me. Verse 9 says, And on the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. So he's looking for God up here. He can't find him. He's looking for him back here. He's looking to the left. He can't see God working. And he can't see God working over here. I don't know if you know this or not, but there is a Western way that we try to connect with the presence of God. And the way that we try to do it in the Western world and in the church in America is this. We try to come to a service and we try to feel God. We come to a service or we come to a place or we come to a moment and we try to feel where he's at and if we do not feel where God is at, God must not be in the room. He must not be at that place. Are, are you tracking with me? So, so we, we walk into a church or we walk into a moment or we talk, walk into a worship service and we're like, man, I didn't feel God there today, and so I don't think God was there. And we base God's presence on the way that we feel. This does not work out well when things go sour for you, does it? It just doesn't. Because the moment that things begin to fall apart in your life is the moment that you don't feel like anybody's with you, and you can't feel like God's with you, and you wonder where God is because you are down and you cannot feel his presence. Now, I'm not saying today that you never feel God's presence. I'm not saying that. You do feel God's presence from time to time. But I am here to tell you today that just because you don't feel God's presence doesn't mean that he isn't with you, and it doesn't mean that he isn't working. Are you following me? We need to get past this notion that just because I did not feel God in that sermon, just because I didn't feel God in that worship music, just because I didn't feel God when I was at this particular point, we gotta get past just because I didn't feel like God was there that we conclude that God wasn't there. 
because in essence, he was really there all along. We're just looking for him in a Western type of way, and it really isn't biblical. The biblical way to look for God is to look what, he's do, what he is doing in your life. The biblical way to look for God is to look at things that he has given you and things that he has blessed you with and things that he has done for you. It doesn't matter what you feel about it. What matters is has God done something for you? And in Scripture, people are always looking at things that God has done for them. For instance, today, I don't know what you're going through, but I believe that everybody in this room is breathing Raise your hand if you're breathing. Yeah, everybody's breathing in this room. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a good day. That is something God has given you as a gift for today. God is at work. Did everybody drive here in a vehicle today or ride in a vehicle? Some of you, I don't think you should drive, right? If you rode here in a vehicle today, that is a blessing. Do you know, do you know? that you are in the top 5% of the world if you drove a car here today or a vehicle that's gas-powered. If you have two cars in your driveway, you're in the top 1% of the richest people in the world. That's staggering. And we often want to feel, oh, God just wasn't there. He's not working in my life. Woe is me. We live in houses. We have air conditioning. We have heat. We have families, we have babies, we have children, we have all these things that we miss that God is doing, and we say his presence isn't with us, when all along he's blessing you, showing you that he is there. Come on. It is time that we get past this little feeling-oriented sort of, I don't think God is there because I didn't feel him today, and start looking at what he is doing in our personal lives. This past year, this hasn't happened in, in the last probably six weeks or so, but from April of last year all the way up until January, the second Sunday in January, we had four Sundays, two of them I was gone, two of them we just didn't have baptisms, where we baptized people every single week. That is not because of Philip Brand. Honestly, it's not because of anybody in this church. It is because God was moving in people's hearts and they accepted Christ as their Savior. This past Sunday, Easter, I counted, we had 80 people of our own flock missing from the congregation. We brought out chairs on the back row at Easter. That isn't Philip Brand, that is God. We can talk all day long about, well, you know, it's Easter and people should come more than once. We could talk that all year. But the fact of the matter is there is something that drew those people to this facility, this church, and they were not here by accident. That is God doing something. You and I need to create in our minds a biblical understanding of what it means for God to be present, and we need to look for him to do things. And when we see him doing something, we join it. And we look to our left, we look to our right, and we see him doing things in our lives. This is what Job is saying. He's saying this, I look to my left, I don't know how God is working in this situation. 
That's what he's saying. He's saying, I look to my, I can't find it. I can't understand how he is working in this situation. I can't understand that. I don't know. I don't see him working. I don't know how he's working, but I know he's working. Why can I say that Job knows that he is working? Because Job is looking for what he's doing. Are, are you with me? Even though he can't see it, he knows God has some sort of plan. Even though he can't see what God is doing in his life, he knows that God has a plan. He knows that God has a plan for his life, even though he can't see what that plan is currently. He's been blessed before. He's breathing on that particular day. And even though times are tough, he knows that God still has a plan. I can't find him before me, beside me. I can't see what he's doing over here. I can't see what he's doing over there. But I know that he is at work even though I can't see it. That's what Job is saying here. That leads him into verse 10. And it says this. But he knows the way that I take. He knows the way that I take. So, I can't see God. I can't see what God's doing. But God sees me. I can't see God. I can't see what he's doing. I can't see how he's acting. But God sees me. If you don't think God is working, if you're not really sure what he's doing, what you can take to the bank today is he is watching you and how you are acting in your time of trouble. That's what he's doing. And Job says here, he knows the way that I should take, and when he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. Let me tell you what that means. That means that my looking for Jesus or looking for God in my situation and can't find him and looking for how he's wor working is not my main concern. It is not my job. My job is to make sure that I am living in this moment correctly according to the word of God, as Jesus would live, with faith, hope, love, with integrity, because I can't find God, but that isn't going to determine how I act. I can't see where he is, but I know he's working, but that isn't going to determine how I act. He sees me, I don't see him. But when he sees me, I know when I am tried, I will come forth as gold because I'm acting correctly in my trial. You see, the human race does one or two things. Either they run to God or they run away from God during a time of trouble. Either they doubt God's power and they run away from the church, they run away from everything in a time of trouble, and they get secluded and they become monks, which is unbiblical, by the way. We're supposed to be a family. That's why the church is here. They, they get secluded because somehow or another, God has hurt their feelings. God did not come through. God was not at work. 
I couldn't find him before me, beside me. I couldn't see how he was working, so obviously he doesn't care for me, and I don't know how you can reach that conclusion if you think about the cross. Come on, church. Really? You start thinking about that thing about the cross. And they get to where that they just don't feel like he's there, and oh, I'm just going to, it, this following God is not worth it. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to do the things that everybody else is doing, and I'm not going to follow God anymore. And I'm telling you, when you can't see God, he can see you. And the test is if you will still follow God in your time of trouble or if you will walk away. Job says, I cannot find him, but it's not going to determine how I Um, so, what else does it say? this say? Check this out. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips, right? I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. Verse 11, my foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and have not turned aside. God knows Ladies and gentlemen, if the way you take is correct, he sees your actions and he sees if you're acting right. He sees if you're acting right. Are you acting right? Next screen. So, um, that's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? isn't it? Recently, I went to a funeral at my home church. Um, Ms. Brewer, which is Susan Cates, the pastor's wife's mother, passed away. She passed away at 99 years old. 99 years old. And the thing that they were saying about her, because I haven't, I hadn't seen her in years, it's probably been 25, 27 years since I actually saw Ms. Brewer. Um, they said that each Sunday, even though she had broke her hip, even though she was in bad, bad health, even though really she had plenty of excuses to stay home from church, she came in her wheelchair as much as she could up until the final days where she had to be moved to hospice. I am not saying that there is a check mark in your life where you have to come to church? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that um, in order to be a good Christian, you have to be here every Sunday. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, Ms. Brewer, in her suffering, had a heart for God and wanted to be in his house. She wanted to be in his church. And no excuse stopped her. How many times do we allow our little sufferings to prevent us from coming to God's house and being with his people? How many times have we allowed the devil to convince us that we would be better off staying at home alone? Listen, I was talking, this isn't, wasn't a part of it originally, but I was talking to some people back here, you know, the parents, the two I didn't give a Bible to and the two I did give a Bible to, so you can tell who I really like the best. We were talking to them, we were talking to them back there, and you may or may not know this, I may have told you, I struggle one-on-one -on -one with people. I do. 
The reason I talk to you is because I love you in this setting. So I, because of my love, will come up and I will talk to you and I'll try to have a conversation with you. But I feel very awkward when, when I do that. If you give me a stage, no problem. You give me a stage and I can look at some people and talk to them the, a little bit, I'm in for the long haul. I'm really good. But one-on-one, I really struggle a little bit because, because of that. I would really like to be in a cabin in the woods alone. And Nicole could come visit me. Now, I love my wife. I'm not saying that. But that's how I'm geared. I would really, I just, I like alone time. I, I like to be alone. I, I just like to kind of just do my thing and just kind of, kind of be alone. People, even though I, I, I just, I'm just not, do you understand what I'm saying? Is everybody with me? I love people. That's why, that's why I'm out here talking to you. That's why I'm doing that. I love people. But I'm, I'm really, if I really, if I'm really honest, I really like just to be alone without anybody at home, in the quiet, doing my own thing. That, that's what I really like to do. I could use that as an excuse not to talk to you. Right? I feel uncomfortable. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. I could use that as an excuse not to do things. I get it when you are suffering and you want to be alone and you just want the little box and you don't want anyone else around. I get it. But this is what I know. God designed the church to be a family and a church to be a support group. And really, in your time of struggle, is not the time to retreat. It's the time to step forward and be around some people that can encourage you along the way. It's not the time to be alone. Just because you feel like God isn't around doesn't mean other people aren't around. Could it be, could it be that you can't find God because you're looking for him in the wrong places? He's already given you a family, a priest that has him inside of them. Maybe it's a connection with other brothers and sisters in Christ. You follow him in that regard. Look at verse 23. I mean, not verse 3. 23 verse 13. It says this. But he is unchangeable. And who can turn him back? What he desires, that he does. For he will complete what he appoints for me. And many such things are in his mind. I want you to know this morning that God has a plan for you. He has a plan for your life. We, we sang um, Far Too Wonderful, which is a psalm. And this is what one of the verses say, says. You wrote the story of my life. You go before, you fall behind. Before a breath, beyond my death, you are with me on the way to everlasting. See, before God even formed you in the womb, he had a plan for your life, and he laid out those plans. Foreknowledge told him how you would choose some things. Some things he threw into your life because that's where he wanted you to be. He designed your life in such a way that you would always have the opportunity to be pointed to him. 
That's how he designed everybody. The second verse of that song goes like this. Search me, God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Find the wickedness in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What is that verse saying? Look, God, I know you see me, and when you try me, I want to come forth as gold. That's what that's saying. Try me, know me, I am living correctly. He has plans for you and me. Verse 13, but he is unchangeable, and who can turn him back? What he desires, that he does. You can't change God's plans for you. You you just can't. God's already determined it, and it's going to happen. 14, for he will complete what he appoints for me, and many such things are in his mind. In other words, God just doesn't have one plan for my life. He has many plans for my life, many plans. And so he's going to see those plans through. Um, Quinn is my second son. My oldest daughter this week is up at Liberty. She's, um, she's touring the campus, and she went to church at Thomas Road this morning. Um, I'm very proud of both of my kids. Um, they, they're absolutely incredible. But when they were younger, um, Quinn, we were in Walmart, and um, we were checking out at Walmart, right? We're going through, and, and literally, Quinn was just right beside me. Yep, and so I'm putting the stuff on, on the bag, and I happened to turn around seemingly a minute later, maybe a second later, it was a short amount of time, and Quinn was gone. So the first thing that runs through my wife's mind is that somebody has nabbed him, right? And so she's really concerned about this. I don't know if you know anything about marriage, but when the wife is concerned about something, you are also very concerned about it, okay? So you, we, we begin to talk to the cashier. The cashier was on, on the little speaker talking to some security person, trying to figure out if they needed to shut the store down. I mean, it was that, that significant. So I begin to look for Quinn, Everywhere. I, I looked for him under stuff. I looked for him everywhere. And what had happened was there was one of those things where you, where you move and then the claw comes down and he picks up the, the thing, right? And he had gone around behind it so you couldn't see him because there was some stuffed animal that he had just grabbed his attention. So he went over there to see it. And he was literally, his face was like looking at it. When we found Quinn, it was a very, very um, troubling thing. And as a father, I was so glad when I found him. I, and this is no revelation, am different than your heavenly father. You see, our heavenly father has never lost me. Your heavenly father has never lost you. He already knows you're behind looking at the glass, looking at what you want. He already knows where you're at. He knows where you're going to be tomorrow. He knows where you were yesterday, and he remembers it. God has never lost you. Say that to your neighbor. God has never lost you. Why? Because God loves you. Because for some reason, and I'm saying this 
very lightly, but this is true. God wants you in his life. God cares for you. He has made plans for you. He is very concerned about your life. And when you do not think he's there is the moment that he is still watching you and still caring and just isn't moving at that particular moment. Let me give you an example. Jesus Christ, on the cross of Calvary, says these words from Psalm 22. Oh, why, God, have you forsaken me? Now, I've thought about that phrase a long time. And that phrase is a phrase that doesn't mean that God was absent in the moment. He just wasn't working to get Christ off the cross at the moment. He was still but still accomplishing his purposes. He was just watching. You see, Jesus, I don't know if you know this or not, he had a direct line to God. It was like the red phone of Batman, right? I mean, they were like one and one. They're the same people. He could talk to him. And so so Jesus would go off and he'd talk to his father, right? And anything he asked of his father, his father would do. Lord, help me heal this person. He would heal the person. Show me where to go. He would show him where to go. God and Jesus, Jesus would pray, God would act. Jesus would pray, God would act. Jesus would say, what is your will today? And God would tell him what his will was. Now, I know they're three in one. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying there was something special in his whole ministry that every time Jesus prayed, those prayers were answered. Would you agree with that? Here he is on the cross. God, the Father, has been involved in his life his entire existence, answering his prayer. And at this moment on the cross, the moment of pain and suffering, God stopped because Jesus had to die or the world would not be saved. And so he did not move in that moment. He did not send a thousand angels down to take him off the cross because God and Jesus agreed on one thing, their love for you and me. And they saw us. So he didn't. So in that moment, when Jesus is saying, why have you forsaken me? He is saying, Lord, God, God, Father, I can't see you on my left. I can't see you on my right. Why are you not doing anything? And a few moments later, he said, it is finished. But then, in God's sovereignty. (laughs) Three days later, he said, Jesus, come out of that grave. And Jesus rose again. Maybe it's not the moment for God to move in your suffering. Is that hard to grasp? I think it is because you want God to move now. You want the suffering to end, right? Right? But maybe it's not time for your resurrection. Maybe it's not time for your victory over whatever it is. Maybe it's not time for God to move. 
So this is your job. In the meantime, (laughs) you follow God, you abide by his word, you walk in his steps, so that the day that you are tried, you will come forth as gold. Now I want you to see something from these three sermons, and then we're done. Two weeks ago, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him, I will surely defend my ways to his face. Okay? Last week, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. What is Job saying there? My Redeemer, the Messiah, when he stands on the earth, will present my case before God the Father. And he lives. Then, Job says these words, but he knows the ways that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. My vision is to live faithful to God even when I'm suffering so that I can come forth as gold when my Redeemer presents my case before God the Father. In your suffering, your vision is to come forth as gold and live correctly. And that is something you can do every single day. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you.